Open your Bibles, if you would, to Proverbs 8. Proverbs 8. We are making our way through the book of Proverbs, looking at some lessons along the way. Um, Last time we looked at uh, Proverbs 6 and 7. We saw the lessons there, that there were some instructions there, um, that we were not to be a surety for our neighbor, not to be a cosigner, as we would put it in modern terms, or terms we might understand for our neighbor, not to be lazy, uh, to beware of worthless people, and to beware of the adulterous woman. And that adulterous woman uh, has been mentioned several times already in our study in Proverbs. And we talked about those reasons why. Tonight I want to look at, in Proverbs 8 and 9, there are two more women that are described. And those are the women, are the woman of wisdom and the woman of folly. So we have two more women that are described here in Proverbs 8 and 9. So we'll spend our time tonight looking at those two. So let's start out by understanding when we talk about... Um, this woman of wisdom, look in Proverbs 8. Let's read verses 1 and 2 to start with. It says, Does not wisdom call, and understanding lift up her voice? On top of the heights, beside the way, where the paths meet, she takes her stand. So when we're talking about the woman of wisdom, Solomon here has personified wisdom. and He speaks about her as a woman. And this is not new in the in the discourse. Go back to Proverbs 1 for just a second. If you look there in verses 20 and 21 of Proverbs 1, it says, Wisdom shouts in the street, she lifts up her voice in the square. In the head of the noisy streets, she cries out. At the entrance of the gates in the city, she utters her sayings. And if you look also in in, uh, Proverbs 4, beginning of verse 5, It says, acquire wisdom, acquire understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her, and she will guard you. Love her, and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is to acquire wisdom. In all uh, all you're acquiring, get understanding. Prize her, and she will exalt you, and she will honor you and, and embrace you. She will place on your head a garland of grace. She will present you with a crown of beauty. So this is not new in the discourse here that wisdom is personified and given this pronoun of she. It's just a way of looking at it and referring to um, wisdom in this way. So throughout the chapter 8 and chapter 9, we're going to hear that over and over again, wisdom being called she and her, the, the pronouns that go along with that. So Let's look at this wisdom, uh, this woman of wisdom that, are, that is described here in, in chapter 8. If you look here, uh, the first part of chapter 8, we see wisdom that she calls out. Read with me again, we'll read verses 1 and 2, through, down through verse 11. Does not wisdom call out and understanding lift up her voice on top of the heights before the way? Where the paths meet, she takes her stand beside the gates at the opening to the city. At the entrance of the doors, she cries out, To you, O men, I call, and my voice is to the sons of men. O naive ones, discern prudence, and, O fools, discern wisdom. Listen, for I shall speak noble things, 
and the opening of, uh, opening of my lips will produce right things, for my mouth will utter truth, and wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the utterances of my mouth are in righteousness. There is nothing crooked or perverse, perverted in them. They are all straightforward to him who understands, and right to those who find knowledge. Take my instruction, and not silver, and knowledge rather than choicest gold, for wisdom is better than jewels, and all desirable things cannot compare with her. So wisdom cries out, just like we read over there in chapter 1, verse 20 and 21, there's a calling out of wisdom. It says over there she calls out in the, street, in the streets and the squares. She tells the naive and the fools that they, that they need to listen. That there's a message here in wisdom and that they need to take heed and they need to listen. She has something to say. And what she has to say is important. It's important enough to be written down and to remind the readers here, Solomon reminding his sons that you need to hear what wisdom has to say. It's not wicked, but righteous. Look back there in verse 7 and 8. For my, my mouth will uh, utter truth, and wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the utterances of my mouth are in righteousness. There is nothing crooked or perverted in them. What she has to say is righteous and not wicked. Those things are not even in her mouth. She says her words are more precious than silver and gold and jewels. Read there in verses um, <clears throat> 10 uh, and 11 that what she has to say is valuable, more precious than, than jewels and gold. This is not the first time that's come up either. Look back in chapter 3, verses 13 and through 15. How blessed is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding, for its profit is better than the profit of silver and its gain than fine gold. She is more precious than jewels and nothing you desire compares with her. So the idea here is that wisdom is precious and it's valuable, more so than even gold and silver and jewels. Nothing is as, is as valuable as God's wisdom. And that's what's being expressed here. God's wisdom. This passage here, she extols her excellence. Pick up back in our reading in, in verse 12. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence, and I find knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogance are the evil way, and the perverted mouth I hate. Counsel is mine and sound wisdom. I am understanding. Power is mine. By me kings reign and rulers decree, decree justice. By me princes rule and nobles, all who judge rightly. I love those who love me, and those who diligently seek me will find me. Riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, even pure gold, and my yield than choicest silver. I walk in the way of righteousness in the midst of the paths of justice to endow those who love me with wealth that I may fill their treasures. She extols excellence. The things that she has to say, the results of her wisdom is beneficial to those who hear. She explains the fear of the Lord. Back there in verse 13 it says, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Isn't that an interesting companion to go along with what's said at the very beginning? Of Proverbs. Look over in Proverbs 1, verse 7. 
It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. And also over in chapter 9 and verse 10, it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So if you fear the Lord, you know to hate evil. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And here it says that uh, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. So if we want to fear the Lord, we need to understand that we've got to hate evil. Just as there's being spoken of here about wisdom, it is the antithesis to evil. So the wise man hates evil. And the prideful and arrogant are, are words we're capable of. If you look there in verse um, 14, counsel is mine and sound wisdom. I understand power is mine. By the king's reign and the ruler's just decree. Prideful and arrogant words we're capable of, but the wisdom, it's there because of the counsel of God. Those, that's what we should understand. We should hate evil and fear God. She is used by kings and rulers. Prudent ones, at least. It mentions there as, as it's going through, verse 15, By me, kings reign and rulers decree justice. If they're wise, if they're seeking after godly things, they seek after wisdom. And we know all too well that there's very few politicians these days that do that, sadly. She loves those who love and seek her out. I love this about verse 17. It says, I love those who love me. And those who diligently seek me will find me. Isn't that something to think about? That there's a connection of those who seek out wisdom. That they're connected together. If you look over for just a moment in 3 John. There's a connection here that's interesting. All the way to 3 John. Verses 1 and 2. Says the elder to the chosen lady and her children, whom I love in truth, not only I, but also all those who know the truth, for the sake of the truth which abides in us and will be with us forever. When we love God, we know the truth, and we're connected in that way. Solomon over here says that I love those who love me. And those who diligently seek me will find me. John has a very similar sentiment. Whom I love in the truth, not only I, but also who, all those who know the truth. If I know the truth, and Debbie knows the truth, and Bill knows the truth, there's a connection that we have there. Because we know the truth about God. And that leads to us to the love God, and therefore love each other. So there's a connection through God's word, through the truth that is made there. We've already mentioned, well, let's make this point again. The truth is valuable. Verses 18 through, through 21 there. Riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and righteousness. There's value in truth. Sometimes it's hard to see. Sometimes we don't necessarily believe it, do we? Look what verse 21 says. To endow those who love me with wealth, that I may fill their treasuries. Does that remind you of something in... In the New Testament, what does Jesus say about God providing for us? 
In Matthew 6 and verse 33, it says to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. If we're seeking after God, if we're seeking after the truth, he will take care of us. Our Lord says that he will. And we can put our trust and our faith in that. Seeking after wisdom. I, again, I love what it says there. Those who, seek, who diligently seek me will find me. If you're really looking for God's truth and diligently searching for it, you will find it. She is valuable. She has been with God from the beginning. Here's another interesting thing about this passage that just jumped out at me. Look in verse 22. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his way, before his works of old. From everlasting I was established. From the beginning, from the earliest times of the earth, when there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water, before the mountains were settled, before the hills I was brought forth. While he had not yet made the earth and the fields, nor the, the first dust of the world. When he established the heavens, I was there. When he inscribed a circle on the face of the deep. When he made firm the skies above. When the springs of the deep became fixed. When he set for the sea its boundary, so that the water should not transgress his command. When he marked out the foundations of the earth. Then I was beside him as a master workman. And I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him, rejoicing in the world, his earth, and having my delight in the sons of men. Isn't that an interesting thing to think about? That wisdom has been around since the very beginning, even before beginning, as we mark time. She says, I was there in the very beginning. I was there with God. It's a very interesting concept. The wisdom that God's... Uh, that was there in, in the beginning in God's creation is the same wisdom now that's crying out to be heard again. Listen to what I have to say. Why? Because I was there at the very beginning. I've been with God forever. I am God's wisdom. Does that give you a little bit more insight into, hey, maybe I better listen to what's being said here. Maybe I better listen to God's word. It's a reference, of course, to, to the Word, Jesus Christ. That Word being there from the very beginning. John points that out in his Gospel. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was God. This wisdom that's being extolled here is from the beginning. So we should listen to what it says. I like also what it says there in verses 30 and 31, that wisdom rejoices in all creation. Then I was beside him as a master workman, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him, rejoicing in the world, his earth, and having my delight in the sons of men. The wisdom delights in God's creation. I think that's a beautiful sentiment. To think about the wisdom that's been around since the very beginning, and looks upon the earth, and upon men, and has her delight. Wisdom exhorts and warns. Pick up our reading of verse 32. Now therefore, O sons, listen to me. For blessed are, those, are they who keep my ways. Heed instruction and be wise, and do not neglect it. Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at my doorposts. 
For he who finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who sins against me injures himself. And those who hate me love death. Heed wisdom. I like the, what it says in here, to, to watch for it, to wait for it, to be in waiting for wisdom. The one who gets wisdom is blessed by God. One who sits and waits and then heeds what wisdom has to say, that person benefits from it, is blessed by God. But the one who transgresses wisdom, the one who turns their back on wisdom and follows after fools, those, it says, they are injured. They injure themselves. All those who hate me love death. There's punishment in ignorance. Those who do not know God will be punished. Because he's given us what we need. All things pertaining to life and godliness. And wisdom cries out that we listen to her. As we move into chapter 9, he continues this discourse about wisdom. And it's, it tells now how wisdom makes preparations. Look in verse 1 of, of Proverbs 9. It says, Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out her seven pillars. She has prepared her food. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her maidens. She calls from the tops and the heights of the city. Whoever is naive, let him turn in here. To him who lacks understanding, she says, Come, eat my food, and drink the wine which I have mixed. Forsake your folly and live, and proceed in the way of understanding." Preparations have been made. The seven pillars there that, it, that is mentioned in verse 1. The idea of seven, if you do a number study of the, in the Bible, you know that seven is one of those numbers of completeness. So when it talks about she has hewn out, hewn out seven pillars, the house that she has built is complete. And she's made all the preparations. She set the table. She's mixed the wine. She's sent her maidens out to call the people in. Notice what it says there in verse 4. Whoever is naive, let him turn in here. To him who lacks understanding, she says, come and eat my food. The things that have been prepared, all this preparation that has been made are, is for us to take of. Is for the naive to come in and take of these things. The food and the drink. That is the wisdom that, that's being taken in. She's done all this preparation. It reminded me of the parable of the, uh, of the dinner over in Luke 14. Turn over there for just one second. Luke 14. I see such similarities in this and this parable that our Lord spoke about the dinner. In Luke 14, beginning in verse 16. He says to them, uh, but he said to them, our Lord speaking, a certain man was giving a big dinner, and he invited many. And, when the dinner hour, uh, and at the dinner hour, he sent his slave to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is ready now. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first one said to him, I have bought a piece of land, and I need to go out and look at it. Please consider me excused. And another one said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I am going to try them out. Please consider me excused. And another one said, I have married a wife, and for that reason I cannot come. 
And the slave came back and reported this to his master. Then the head of the household became angry and said to this, his slave, Go out at once into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring them here, the poor and the crippled and blind and lame. And the slave said, Master, what you have commanded has been done and still there is room. And the master said to the slave, Go out into the highways and along the hedges and compel them to come in so that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of these men who were invited shall taste my dinner. There's the preparation that's been made. The master of the house has prepared the dinner. Everything is ready. And so he tells his servants to go out and call those in who have been invited. We see that over here in Proverbs 9. With wisdom, she has prepared the dinner. She has made all the preparations and now she cries out, come in. Come into my house and partake of these things. All things have been prepared. The master of the house tells his servant to go out and compel them to come in. Why? Because there's still room in the house. And that's the way it is with God's house. There's room. There's room in the kingdom. There's room for us to enter in. All preparations have been made. And think about it in this way also. All preparations have been made since the beginning of time. Wisdom said she was there in the beginning. And all the preparations have been made. So what are we waiting for? All things are ready. All we have to do is partake of them. In chapter 9 and verses 7 through 12, there's a little interlude here. If you read that, it says, beginning of verse 7 of Proverbs 9, And he who corrects a scoffer gets dishonor for himself. And he who reproves a wicked man gets insults for himself. Do not reprove a scoffer, lest he hate you. Reprove a wise man, and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will still be wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase his learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For by me your days will be multiplied." And years of your life will be added to you. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. And if you scoff, you alone will bear it. There's a little interlude here where two different people are contrasted, the wise man and the scoffer. Notice what it says there, that the wise man hears instruction and takes it. The scoffer doesn't. It says there at the end of verse 12, And if you who scoff, you alone will bear it. If you're not willing to listen to what God has said or is saying to you, you'll have those same kind of injury that was brought upon them, to injure themselves. Those who hate me love death. That same kind of punishment for those who reject wisdom. So now we come to the last part of chapter 9. And I said at the beginning, there are two women that are contrasted here, the wise woman and the woman of folly. Here, beginning of verse 13, we have the woman of folly that's described. Let's read 13 through the end of Proverbs 9. It says, verse 13, The woman of folly is boisterous. She is naive and knows nothing. And she sits at the doorway of her house on the seat by the high places of the city, Calling to those who pass by, who are making their path straight. Whoever is naive, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks understanding, she says, 
Stolen water is sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he who does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. So here's the woman of folly. In verse 13, she's described. Notice what it says about her. She's boisterous. She's naive, and she knows nothing. Contrast that to the woman of wisdom, who is wisdom personified. Been there since the beginning. Has been with God since the beginning. The woman of folly is naive. And she knows nothing. But interestingly enough, she also calls out. There in verse 14. And she sits in the doorway of her house and the the high places of the city, calling to those who pass by. So like the woman, uh, the, the wise woman, the woman of wisdom who calls out, so does the woman of folly. And if you even notice there in verse uh, 16, whoever is naive, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks understanding, she says. If you look back over in verse 4, the exact same wording is there about the woman of wisdom. Whoever is naive, let him turn in here. To him who lacks understanding, she says. So the call is there with both of these. But the message is very different. The message of the wise woman was, look, these things have been prepared I've set the table for you. Come in and eat. Come in and partake of the things that I have set before you. With the woman of folly, the message is quite different. Look what it says there in verse 17. Stolen water is sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. It's quite a different message, isn't it? She's saying that the things that have been taken, have been stolen, that are ill-gotten, these things are sweet. Take these in. But just like with the adulterous woman, those things are temporary. And they're passing. And they're the antithesis of what God wants us to be focused on in our lives. That focus of eternity. The things that are lasting. And the things that are lasting are not of this world. This world is passing away. We realize that each day when we get up. That another day has passed. And the things that we know of this earth are passing away. But the things that are spiritual are eternal. Verse 18. She does not know that the dead are there. That her guests are in the depths of Sheol. Look back in, in Proverbs 7. Verse 26 and 27. The same kind of end is talked about with the adulterous woman. Verse 26, it says, For many are the victims she has cast down, and numerous are her slain. Her house is the way to Sheol, descending to the chambers of death. Very similar language to this woman of folly. And that is the idea that the things of this world, and they're they're passing, they're fleeting, and if we put our focus in them, we're just heading to death. The dead are there. Her guests are in the depths of Sheol. This woman of folly is so different than the woman of wisdom. She's promising something. Come in here and listen. But the message that she has is so very different than the message from the wise woman. So what we can take from these two chapters is to understand that Wisdom is what we should be seeking after.
It's no secret. Wisdom is talked about all through Proverbs. But here, it talks about it in a way of this woman, the wise woman, what she has done, the preparations that she has made. Contrast that to the woman of folly who has nothing to offer. So brethren, I pray that we will continue to seek out God and to seek out wisdom and to turn our backs on the things of this world. Keep seeking after the things that are above. If you have needs for the congregation, if you find yourself stuck in the world, I pray that you will take these words to heart. Take these words of wisdom to heart and understand that God wants us to be seeking after him, to, seeking after, to be seeking after his word and the wisdom that we find there. If you've fallen down in that and you need the prayers of the congregation, you can let that be known by coming forward as we stand and sing to encourage you.